recorded in the Gospel of John. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They waited to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? 
If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You're right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went out again into the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion.
Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's that man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. From then on, Pilate, uh, when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out, set him down in the judge's seat in a place known as the Stone Pavement, which is in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of the preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified.
So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross that read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let us not tear it, they said to one another, but decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them, cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home.
later, knowing that all was now completed. And so that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head, gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. When they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony. His testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they took on the one, or they shall look on the one that they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since that tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there.
the Apostle Peter, who was there that day, uh, sometimes in hiding, sometimes ashamed of who he was, uh, fearful more than ashamed, I guess, but uh, nonetheless, later would write from the other side, from the side of seeing his fears conquered, from the side of seeing his mistakes uh, covered in the grace and the blood of Christ, much as we come to this table on the other side of grace this morning. He wrote this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is an inexpressible that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy, in all your conduct, since it is written, For I am be holy, for I am holy. It conjures up images in my mind of the Israelites going into the promised land. They had been told for hundreds, not just years, not just decades, but for centuries about the promise of God. And there were people huddled around fires, sometimes in the midst of their slavery in Egypt, longing for something better. It says they longed for a city they'd never seen, longed for a city they'd only been promised, but they longed. And they kept coming back to the fire, and they kept telling those stories, grandfathers to the grandchildren, grandmothers to the kids in their lap. God is sending a deliverer. There will be somebody who makes every wrong right again. There will be one who comes, as we talked about last week, to crush the head of Satan. Peter writes and says that we have no idea how blessed we are because we know the answer. We know the one. We've experienced the grace. We've tasted the glory of the one who came as the answer to that longing. And it reminds me of when they went into the promised land and as, as the spies came back, 
you know that the children who'd heard all these stories and know where they are, they know that they're at the edge of the promised land. All the adults have been excited, fearful, excited, you know, mixed feelings, but excited about what's it going to be like. And now the reports are coming back and the guys are walking up and they have all of these grapes so big, these clusters, that they're carried on a pole between two men. And the kids are running along and they're grabbing, because we would, right? When we were kids, they're grabbing at the grapes. They had to be. Somewhere there was a Jewish mother going, stop that, you have that later, right? But they're, they're sitting there excited because just the cluster of grapes is a promise fulfilled. God keeps His Word. And Peter writes later and says, just like that moment where they got to see, you see. When you came up out of the water, you tasted the grapes of the promised land. When you came up into your new life, you looked back at the dry ground upon which you walked as you crossed the Jordan and entered into that promised land. You have eternal life if you are in Christ Jesus. Peter says there was a time when even the angels didn't know what was going on. And they tried to put the pieces together and couldn't figure it out. Kind of picture like on Law and Order, a detective board with pictures and things and prophecies. And all these little strings trying to connect it together. But all these prophets standing back and going, I still don't get it. And all of the angels standing back and going, you know, he has us help him and we don't get him either. But we get to get it. We get to, to eat this bread and to drink this cup and declare the glory of God who's given us the answer. It's Jesus. Through all of what, what Jesse has shared with us this morning from the Gospel of John, we see Jesus. We see His love. How much did He love us? How much did He want to see you forgiven? Nails, whips, scars, a cross, mockery, a crown of thorns. He looked at you and said, bring it on because it will be worth it. Bring it on because those things are temporary. But these souls I seek to save will be eternal. We come to the table this morning a very blessed people, a forgiven people, a people longing for a home that for us, because we can look backwards as well as forward, is not just a promise, but a proven reality. As Jesus went before us as our trailblazer to show us the way. Would you all come up and go ahead and serve the supper? Yeah.